Hi, I'm Mo, and I'll order the Seth Special. And I'm TJ, and in high school I was voted most likely to be a lackluster podcaster. <laughs> and this is... It's still new to us, damn it! Welcome to It's Still New to Us, damn it. I'm Mo, he's TJ, and we are here to watch every movie ever made to get society to notice us. That's right. Yes. That's right, and this week we watched the greatest film of the 2010s, according to... Everyone. Vulture, everyone. Vulture, yeah. everyone. Moonlight. <laughs> Moonlight, that's Moonlight. right. Moonlight. But before we get into that, I think we should mix it up. We gotta work on our banter, TJ. Okay, this podcast mm. is not long enough. As you know, yeah. my dream is to have a podcast that lasts two hours and 30 minutes each time. I was also in high school voted worst at banter. Really? Yes. Wow, it's terrible. So Moonlight. Synopsis. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what's new and exciting? It's been a while. Um, nothing much. As you know, we haven't done the podcast in a while because TJ's trying to better himself with an education. I'm off for the summer, though. Yeah, he's off for the summer. So, so we are going to crank out a whole season, if not more than that, Yes. Uh, over this summer Definitely. Uh, before August, of course, Definitely. before September. Mm-hmm. So that's a good programming note. Yes. But otherwise, nothing Nothing else is new? Um, let's see. Juve Lions has its draft. That was fun and exciting. Um, I watched the movie Winchester 73. Okay. With uh, James Stewart, my favorite actor of all time. Oh, nice. How was that? It was good. I like James Stewart. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's a man in that apartment. (laughs) Grace. Grace, he killed his wife. Have you seen um, the, uh, the, what's it, um, that snow sketch with... uh, that parodies uh, Miracle on 34th Street or like... Um, I don't think so. It's a Wonderful Life, yeah. I don't think so. Who Where's, plays him? It's, uh, it's Dana Carvey plays Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I can and, hear that. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, you're a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear that. That's great. Jimmy Stewart swearing is the best like comedy ever. It really is. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, oh, you motherfucker. I can't even do it. Like, <laughs> you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Oh, oh you motherfucker. Funny. Oh... <laughs> You son of a whore. Oh, my God. I oh, my it. gosh. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, was, I think that was, yeah, that was the last film I saw. I probably saw many others, but I mostly forgot because it's all blur. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcast I'm listening to right now is doing the films of Buster Keaton. Nice. So I want to watch those. So That's that cool. Nice. Yeah. I tried to watch them this morning, but I was working on this podcast, and I couldn't pay attention. Because for silent films, you have to pay attention. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, you can't be on your phone. Or no, you can't. Yeah. No. The only work of his I've seen is a Twilight Zone episode that he's in. Oh, yeah. Where he's a silent, if I remember correctly, he's a silent film star that comes into the real world. Yeah, I've never really seen any of Buster Keaton's films. Um, I've seen uh, Sunset Boulevard, which I believe he has a short cameo in. Mm. I think so, and I believe that's the only thing. Maybe I've seen that Twilight Zone episode, but I'm not sure. But okay. Definitely. Nice. Yeah. So, what have you seen any movies lately, TJ? Admittedly, no. Oh. Yeah, I know. I've just been watching, I've just been in my free time. I've actually been reading a book. Oh, really? Like one of those weirdos. Ooh. Um, and uh, watching through Cheers still. That's good. Yeah, it's That's a great good. show. I still think I like Frasier better though. Oh, interesting. I did watch them out of order though. Obviously, I started with Frasier and now I moved to Cheers. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I can see Cheers being revolutionary for its time and still a very damn good show. I don't know. I like Frasier better, I think. I think the episode I like the most in Cheers is Veggie Boyd. I don't know if I've gotten to that one yet. Oh, really? It's the one where um, Woody gets a commercial and he... he, (laughs) I've not seen that one yet. No, and uh, he tries this product called Veggie, like some Veggie drink, and he he says, I like it in the commercial. Then he actually tries it. It's like, I don't like it. I lied to everybody. And he starts freaking out. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. He is a, when, when Coach, the actor, you know, I found out he passed away and, you know, got written off the show, I was so bummed out because 
I actually really thought Coach was very funny. Yeah. But Woody is Woody is the better character. Yeah, Woody is. Great. I hate to say it. He's just that damn good. Well, Woody Harrelson's just a good actor, too. Well, he is, and yeah. he's just the writing on it. He's just so pure and stupid. True. It's terrific. Which why is it saying that we're making White Man Can't Jump with Jack Holland? Great. Yeah. Oh, God. Isn't he a singer or something? He's a rapper, yeah. Rapper, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Nice. Yeah, let's just try to recreate re- the chemistry that Woody Harrelson <laughs> and... Um, and uh, um, who the hell was it? Uh, Damon Wayans? No, not Damon no. Wayans. No, no, no. It was... Uh, what is his Snipes? Oh, yeah, Snipes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just try to recreate the chemistry that Woody Harrelson was in Snipes had. Yeah, that's, that's possible. Definitely. <laughs> God, it's going to be so bad, yeah. I'm also reading a book, TJ. What's that? Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah? Yeah, by Phil Vonnegut. Oh, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. What book are you reading? It's called The Marsh King's Daughter. Ooh. It's a book I bought several years back when it came out and just sat on my bookshelf. It had been recommended to me by a an associate of Barnes & Noble. Ooh. Yes. And uh, I got it when it was, like, brand new. It was, like, signed on the inside by the author. Cool. She, I believe, is from Michigan. The story takes place in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, and then I found out, actually, just after I started reading it, it's being adapted into a movie that's coming out this year. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's about this... Uh, this woman who lives with obviously with her husband and two children in the UP, and one day finds out that her father escaped from prison, and her you know the story kind of goes into her upbringing, uh, being raised by this man in the marsh, and she never saw the real world or any outside society until uh-huh. she was like fourteen. Oh, like now, the movie uh-huh. now. Mm, I never saw that. Okay, that's it's a it's a great movie. It's where uh, Jodie Foster plays a character just like that. Uh-huh. She can't speak English, so she speaks in like weird a weird language she invented. Okay, yeah, nice. Well, yeah, that I mean sounds like it might be similar. This one, she she sends her family to a safe house and goes on her own quest to take her father down and you know get him Sweet. back in prison. Yeah, honestly, it's been really good so far. That's cool, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like Slaughterhouse Five has been good. Nice. Yeah, I don't know if I understand it yet, but I. Think I will soon. Kurt Vonnegut, he's one of those people like I know the name and yeah. I know that the renowned nature of you know his work and the influence and all that. He's like he's like uh, Billy Wilder. I couldn't name a Billy Wilder movie offhand, which is sad. Mm-hmm. I know how influential he was yeah. to the film industry, and I know how influential. When he to be our next movies, you should do the Billy Wilder. Sure. Yeah, I'll even though I've Billy seen Stalag seventeen, um, I've seen some of his movies. Okay. So yeah, we gotta see that, but. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to understand it. I read the graphic novel American Born Chinese, which is actually really good. I'm trying to get more in the comics. Uh, not American comics. I got uh, super, I think it's All Star Superman, Volume One. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. By uh, Grant Morrison. I think it's Morrison. Yeah, Morrison. Yeah. It wasn't Bendis. Yeah. Bendis no, All Star Superman's great. Yeah. So Enjoy. that's cool. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. All Star Batman and Robin, however, by um, Frank Miller? Yeah. Notoriously bad. Really? Frank Miller is a, such a unique comic writer in that he basically saved Daredevil, he saved Batman with The Dark Knight Returns, Yeah. and then he goes back to revisit that Batman universe every now and then, and each time it seems to get a little worse. Wow. Although The Dark Knight 3 that came out, I don't know, 2016 maybe, 2017, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. It was not nearly as good as his first, but it was pretty good. But he, in All-Star Batman and Robin... It's got the notorious meme where he's he's in the Batmobile with Dick Grayson, who he's rescued. Yeah. And Dick Grayson's like, you know, who you know, who the hell are you even? And Batman goes, 
what are you, dense? Are you a retard or something? <laughs> I'm the goddamn Batman. That's what he says. Oh, yeah. It's legendary. Wow. It is legendary. Yeah, and Damn. the comic is very famously disliked by, <laughs> you know, everyone. That's insane. Are you retarded or something? That's <laughs> what he says. Something. Uh, <laughs> it's so bad. It's so good, though. Yeah. I never really read any of Frank Miller's stuff. Uh, of course, I think comics are a huge blind spot for me. I never really got into them. Really, uh, I've said I got into manga first with One Piece and all that stuff. And I don't know, like, American comics have been a huge blind spot for me. That's because it's really, like, people say it's tough to get into manga because of, like, the length and stuff. But it's really tough to get into American comics because you don't know where to start. At least in manga, they tell you where to start, you know. That's a good point. And, you know, I'd argue DC's probably easier because they restart all the goddamn time. Yeah. Marvel is more continuity, I think, over the years between their stories whereas like i said dc pushes the reset all the time mm-hmm. um it's a good point though people do always look at, at manga like it's insurmountable but it's kind of the same thing over here yeah exactly yeah 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 because i'm trying to get into omnibuses but they're really expensive yeah yeah because like if i want to read like, like i got the first omnibus of i think amazing spider-man by michael bendis mm-hmm. yeah and that cost me like like i don't know like 10 bucks 12 bucks at like a used bookstore but if i want like the second copy or the second edition that's like 150 bucks mm-hmm. yeah so i gotta find cheap copies so yeah damn that's a lot i know yeah because i went to i went to a store i found like a x-men omnibus for like uncanny x-men yeah. it was like huge and it cost like 150 dollars so i was just like yeah so now i'm gonna buy something now i'm getting to something really expensive so it's gonna be fun nice yes what's that Oh, omnibuses. Just omnibuses. Yeah, okay, so gotcha. there's gonna, gotcha. gonna be a new collection of mine. It's All right. Like, uh, expensive. Okay, that was our banter time. I think we did good. Rate our banter, please. I think that was a B. I'll give our banter a B. I gotta be honest. I'm ashamed that I that I said Marlon Wayans back there. Yeah. I knew in my heart that it was Wesley. We all forgot Wesley Snipes. Yeah, I don't know why. We just did. It was like a brain fart. And I've seen that movie. Like, well, I'm seen really that movie. fucking it's embarrassed. Great. I it think it's, it's up there with like one of the greatest sports movies of all time. It's like sure. Hoosers, Bull Dumb, uh, Rollerball. No, Rollerball? No. No. <laughs> I tried to watch Rollerball one time. It was like, oh, the original this is or the new? The original. Okay. I was like, I, this uh, is boring. I am tired. I want to see the action. Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I like the idea of it being like a blood sport and a commentary on yeah. how we treat sports in society. It's not that. It's not. not I mean, it tries to be. Mm-hmm. But it's not that great. Mm-hmm. And then the remake is... I've never seen the remake from the 2000s. Yeah, that's when they tried to make Chris Klein into a superstar because yeah, of uh, American yeah. Pie. And it was like, no. A, not fail, gonna, a failed push. A failed push, yeah. It was like <laughs> Rollerball. He had a movie with Heather Graham where, yeah. where if they found out they're dating and they're about to get married and they found out they're siblings. But then he finds out they're not actually siblings and she's going to marry somebody else. So he, he tries to stop them. She tries to stop her, but nobody else knows that they're not siblings, so mm-hmm. everybody thinks they're siblings Well, they're chasing after each other. It's relatable. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right. Well, anyway, that was good banter. I okay. Think. Banter over. Yeah. Done. Okay. So, TJ, what movie did we watch this week? We watched Moonlight. Ooh. Yeah. The final episode, the final movie of our season. Yes. Yes. We watched them all. We're going to rank them. I think after this, I realized we could just could have ranked them because we had no game. Well, we'll rank them. We'll do a little mini sode by the end. Yeah, of the we'll week rank because I don't so. think we've really gone through because it's been a few weeks and stuff, so we won't do that. We'll rank so. them and give our next selection. Yeah, and definitely. Pick our first new one. 
Yeah. Uh, do you have the details in terms of director? And yes, I year? do. Yeah, go ahead and do that, and I'll get okay. the synopsis after. Moonlight was released in 2016, directed by Barry Jenkins, written by Barry Jenkins. <gasps> we need a we need a soundbite for this. I'm talking a lot of artus. Artus. Uh, starring Tavante Rhodes, uh, hope I said that right, the United States versus Billy Holiday, and Bird Box, that uh, silent place ripoff. Yeah. Of, <laughs> uh, to be fair, I never saw Bird Box. No, so I, can't I remember like, everybody saw it, and it was like, it's the most yeah. popular movie of all time. And then like, yeah, a week it was later, it was gone. It? Yeah. Uh, Andre Holland, Selma, and Bride Wars. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janelle Monet, Hidden Figures, and Welcome to Marwin, the uh, Robert Zemeckis doll movie. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, Robert Zemeckis. Sounds insane. Aston Sanders, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is excellent. I, I said she go check that, that out. I'm, I got I remember like me and my dad watched it and we were surprised by the end. Like, what? No, we did that. Which one of the actors was in that? Uh, Austin Sanders. He was... He was the teen. He was, he was a teenager? teen, yes. Okay. He was a teen, yes. Yeah. And he was Bobby Brown in Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. No shit. Yeah. Okay. I feel like for biopics, you can't be like somebody's name than like a name of their song you have to be one or the other so he's got to be like whitney houston or just i want to dance with somebody that's freddie it. mercury bohemian exactly Lindsay. you can't do that you know or yeah. you can do you can do the story you can do like the whitney houston story brian wilson love and mercy yeah you can't do that no, like, no. it is it is yeah you can't have both you got to be one can't have your cake and eat it yeah too. come on exactly uh joel jerome uh j H-A-R-R-E-L, Jerome, uh, Concrete Cowboys, and Sheila and the Spades. Both good movies, I think. Nice. Heard, yes. He played the he played Andre Holland's teenage character, I believe. Nice. Uh, Naomi Harris played the mother. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Skyfall. She's Miss Pennywise. Yes, yes. Miss Money Penny? Money Penny. Miss Money yeah. Penny, yes. And in Venom, That There Be Carnage. May I say, too, almost unrecognizable in this yeah. role. Well, she said... And it's just um, such subtle changes. Yeah, she said she thought about not doing the role because it's so against her type. Mm-hmm. But then she found out that Barry Jenkins' mother was actually a heroin addict. Mm-hmm. So, actually, no, crack, uh, crack addict or drug... In I'm, drugs. I'm, and so, yeah. she, she decided to accept the role. I'm very glad she did. She is excellent. She is excellent, yes. Movie. Yeah. And uh, Mashala Ali... Uh, I hope he's very big. I should Marshall know his name. Marshall Ali. Ali. I'm not sure, actually. Yes, uh, Spider-Man Into the, Into the Spider-Verse and Green Book, yep. a movie that won Best Picture, but it's probably a really good movie. And True Detective Season 3. Yes, he is in that. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, Green Book. This, this generation is driving Miss Daisy. So. <laughs> yeah. I heard it was good. I don't know. I don't know. It's it. just like... I don't know. Just I hear you. It's like the opposite of this. I, no, I, <laughs> yeah. I totally hear you. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that is who was in and who directed and wrote Moonlight. TJ, what is this movie about? Sure. So uh, Moonlight is a coming-of-age story about a young boy named Chiron growing up in a lower-class ma- neighborhood in Miami where he's constantly being bullied for being different, quote-unquote, from his peers. The film is told in three parts, one of Chiron as a young child, one of him as a teenager, and one of him as an adult. The first two segments explore his turbulent upbringing, including bullying by his peers, abuse from his crack addict mother, and an unlikely father figure he finds at a local drug dealer. The third segment, consequently, shows us how these conditions shaped Chiron in adulthood. One constant among these three acts is Kevin, with whom he shares a deep and loving friendship. 
As kids, Kevin helped Chiron learn to defend himself. As teens, he and Chiron shared a secret romantic encounter. And as adults, he offers Chiron the opportunity for a new life of genuine happiness together. In the end, while no hilarity ensues, a great deal of optimism does. Mm-hmm. Yeah? That's nice. Anything you'd like to add to that? No, I think you did perfectly, TJ. All that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, TJ, have you heard of this film before I introduced it to you? Oh, yeah. I'd heard about it. I knew that it was a coming-of-age story about a, a, a gay man growing up, you know, in a lower-class uh, urban neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that it was told in act three acts different ages i didn't know that the first one was that young i thought it was like possibly the same actor or something throughout i wasn't sure yeah but i did know that it had three segments like that yeah and i and i most famous the most famous thing i knew about it was of course warren Uh, Beatty. the (laughs) mix-up yeah Yeah. what did he announce he announced la la land which people Uh, thought was gonna win dude that movie sucked really i liked it. okay hold on let me rephrase it didn't suck yeah is it the fact but that it's, it's like the most Oscar movie ever? It is the ever? most Oscar. See, yeah, like it's, it, uh, it presages the old yeah. Hollywood. It's flashy. It's one hundred percent. I yeah. am holding that against it. Mm-hmm. I did see that in the year it came out. I did not see this. Yeah, I can tell you now in retrospect that this is a much better movie. Definitely, much better movie. I think so too. Okay, I will. Well, La La Land is a good movie. We'll get it's into just, it later, but yes, I will, will tell you my thoughts about this movie later. Okay, so Moonlight. Once again, I've heard the, the same thing. You, I think that's just when I started to pay attention to the Oscars a little bit. Because we were saying, like, oh, Moonlight's a win. But everybody's like, oh, no, La La Land's going to win because it's, like, the most Oscar movie of all time. And then that happened. The internet broke. And now it seems like mostly, not every year, but, like, once every, like, three years, something happens in the Oscars to stir it up and get everybody public consciousness. Last year, uh, it was the staff hook around the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and probably like another year or two, something else is gonna happen, and we're gonna be like, "Oh, the Oscars, let's watch." And then yeah. next year, nothing's gonna happen because then <laughs> I haven't watched him in years, to be honest with you. I watched the last one. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel did it, and that was just like whatever. It was just like okay, Jimmy. I'm not Kimmel. a fan of Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, it's like the jokes were okay. He brought the slap so many times. Yeah. It would have been funny if this Will Smith did come and slap, start slapping people. <laughs> that that would have been great. hilarious, but that, that did not happen. Um, but yeah, it was just it was it was okay. I, like, I know uh, everything everywhere all once was going to win everything, and it did. And a movie I still need to watch, but yeah, I heard that's amazing, so yeah. I want to watch that. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I remember watching that night. And I was like, I know on Twitter, everybody was going crazy, like, "Oh my god, it's happening!" Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad for Moonlight because, like, okay, I guess we'll get into this film now okay so i must say compared to la la land this film is not the same level and entertainment as la la land it's definitely i would say definitely la la land's way more fun and more energetic than this movie but that's not mean this movie goes without saying goes without saying but that's not mean this movie is bad i i was still hooked into what was going on sure about uh a gay man trying to live trying to find himself in this in in his world that he lives mm. in, yes. Well, yeah, and you, you say this world, meaning um, yeah. predominantly black, predominantly black neighborhoods uh, of, of inner city Miami, right? Yeah, right. and you know, it is. I think that's a pretty unique frame. You know, frame. Yeah, device, I think that's right? why people were so are so critical of this movie. Well, not critical. I should say critical. I mean, just bad. People are so high on this movie because it's showing something that hasn't really been shown in the public eye before. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're learning about uh, black masculinity, uh, identity, mm-hmm. homosexuality, everything that goes on with it in this eye line, and 
Like, I've never, this movie has not been made like this. I mean, has there been a movie about gay black people? Yes, of course. Uh, first, one of the first documentaries ever made, Paris is Burning, fancy about the the drag race scene in uh, New York back in the 90s. You know, there's been other gay characters. But I think those black gay characters in mainstream movies have been seen as been feminine, uh, maybe the butt of the joke, instead of actually being human beings. Sure. And what I think also sets this movie apart from other coming-of-age films is you do see the consequences of what happens Yeah, you see what happens in these adult things. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie totally flips everything that you and I know on its head. Now, let, let us be clear, folks. The two of us are white suburbanites. Yes. Okay? We would we, not have any connection to being black or anything like that. We're not saying we, we do. No. No, not at all. No. Uh, but what I am saying is that, you know, growing up, what are we taught about drug dealers? They're, they're bad. They're, they're the bad, bad guys. Yeah, dangerous. And what this movie does so well is it humanizes everybody. The you know, drug you know, drug use will always be a problem in society. It's a sad truth. And the drug dealer, Juan is his name, played by Mahesha, Mahershala Ali. Yes. Uh, who's the one that essentially he's the father figure for Sharon. Sharon. Sharon, I'm sorry. Sharon, yeah. And um he we root for, you know, this drug dealer over... Uh, his mother. His mother. Yeah. Which is, you know, obviously who you, ex- excuse me, expect to be the nurturing one. The way that this movie kind of subverts those expectations and shows what I would imagine is an honest and frank look at how some, you know, someone growing up, quote unquote, different from his peers yeah. would be treated in such an environment. Uh, the game that they show them playing where and, as kids. Yeah, Smear, you know, yeah, yes. Smear the Queer. And I was Smear like, the yeah. Queer. You, there, that, was ab- that absolutely had to be intentional, right? Definitely. Definitely. I was going to ask if they called that that name when, you know, they yeah. called it Smear the Queer when you were yeah, they growing did. up. Because yeah. that's what they called it when I was, too. Um, this, th- this is a movie that just humanizes everyone yeah. involved. And it is unique in that you know, the coming-of-age way and that it does show the consequences. The only other type of coming-of-age movie I can think of that even does that is the It movies. Yeah. And that's obviously a little different. But I think that kept things fresh and... Um, yeah, it kept things fresh. And it was unique. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess, should we just break down the film and, like, each part yeah. then? Okay. Sure. So we meet Little. Uh, I forget what the very first scene was. Was it? Um... It was Juan driving, driving his car. Yes, Juan driving his car, and then we see Little being chased by kids. Yes, yeah. it's all in one shot. I think on Juan sh- drives away, and then you see the, the Little running, running away from. Yeah, so Chiron's name in the first act, or his nickname is Little. Yeah, I mean, that's what his peers call him. And the first time we see him, he is running away, indeed, from a group of kids that, I mean, they look like they really have. You know they're gonna hurt him. Yeah, they're gonna hurt him. They well, yeah, yeah, because he, he is. People think he's gay, but you know he's still a young boy. He doesn't know he's gay well, or he's, not. He's just different. He's and just different. He's probably not as strong as the other kids. Say, yeah, and it's exactly. like yeah. And they kind they he ends up uh, holding up in you know an abandoned or apartment building, apartment yeah. building that's known for people going there to do drugs. Maybe or just abandoned. So well, that that's what Juan eventually says, I think. But regardless. Juan, the drug the drug dealer, finds him and you know brings him back to his house, gives him something to eat. Yeah. And eventually learns his name, where he lives. And um, they also introduce a Janelle Monae's character, which yeah we don't know what relationship that she has with Juan. I, no, could we be don't. a sister, could be a, could be a girlfriend from mm-hmm. his past, or just mm-hmm. a friend. We don't know. It but it opens, opens it opens their arms to him, and it shows like 
I don't, I, I don't want to make assumptions about the black community, but they're, they're always there for each other. At least, or at least, not saying just the black community, but people will be there for you if you open your arms and like mm-hmm. let people in. So, well, and you'll also it also kind of shows you'll find, you know, empathy and uh, compassion in sometimes places that you wouldn't expect to. Again, it's the drug dealer thing. Yeah. And at the time, well, yeah, no, I guess the first the first shot, uh, you know, sets up that he is a drug dealer. You yeah. Know? He oversees crack sales in the area. Um, but he is the only one that we see, at least at that point in the movie, that shows a real empathy for yeah. Chiron. And we don't know why. Maybe he's gone through this before. That's and maybe, what I was, Yeah. Maybe he's gone through this before. And he realizes yes. that, you know, that he never had somebody himself look out for a person like him. So mm-hmm. he's going to do that with this kid. Maybe. Yeah, and I mean, maybe. again, it's, it's another, maybe he just sees that this kid's innocent. You know? Yeah. And that is that is obviously uh, a theme in tons of works of art is when that age of innocence ends. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's only so much you can do within the conditions you're raised in to maintain that innocence for long. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I do think that he, uh, that Chiron maintains that throughout this whole first scene, or the yeah. whole first act, I should say. Now, what did you think when, when Juan brings Chiron back to his home... And the mother comes and you know starts yelling at Chiron. Did you get any sense that she was some? Not yet. No, she, I think she... that was the. I think the point was to show that her, the mother was busy. She was out of job. She was wearing she scrubs, comes, right? Yeah, she was wearing scrubs. Yeah. and then yeah. she came back, and we don't get a sense of that until very later on. Just like because we see him saying he's still hanging out with uh, with Juan. Uh, with, I believe they call Blue, right? Is that his nickname? It might have been. I'm yeah, sure. it might have been his nickname. But he's hanging out with Juan and Janelle Monae's character still. And then, like, I love the way they showed it. Like, they're having troubles, you know. It's not just, like, you just see her doing crack. It's just, like, she, she, when when um, when um Niddle gets back, he, he his mom's like, he's like, I want to watch TV. But his mom's like, no, TV for this. Read a book. And then, like, a few moments later, we see the TV's gone. And so it was like... Yes. Yeah. That it was, was like, ingenious. Because yeah. at first, again, at first you... First time you see her, she's in scrubs, yeah. and she's not letting him dap, you know, give uh, daps with uh, yeah. the drug dealer because she knows who he is, yeah. right? And uh, you almost think, okay, well, she's out, you know, a single mother that's just looking out for a kid. And hey, you know, you could even, uh, at least I read into the whole no TV, go find something to read at first. Yeah, I read that is, you know, she's actually trying to nurture his, you know, not not just watching TV all day. Yeah. Time, anyway. Uh, Yes, that was a really subtle. And then you're right. You see the TV's see gone. The TV's gone. To show this, like, like yes. just because she looks like this, or she acts like this, does that mean that she doesn't have her own problems mm-hmm. or next, issues that is affecting yeah. her, her son? And the next time he comes home with, you know, Juan drops him off, the next time, yeah. um, she's sitting at the kitchen table with some guy, yeah. and she has to hide all the drugs real quick. Yeah. Of the par- paraphernalia. And, yeah, ultimately... Juan even confronts her, and then she points out, you know, how are you going to tell me anything? Exactly, yeah. You're the one supplying this. But, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting that Chiron, you know, the places that you'd imagine he'd be the safest in, like that you and I were the safest in, yeah. are suburbanite uh, homes, schools. Yeah. Homes, schools. Yeah. These are the places that he is... Does not feel safe. Correct. Yeah, until he finds a home of his own, which is with... Uh, 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 Juan. Juan. With Juan and Janelle Monet for yeah. a little bit, yeah, so, yes. yeah, definitely. absolutely. Also, there's this um, this great scene. I think it's been brought up before by a podcast or something where like 
Well, uh, Little is talking about what's what the F word means, like what's an F word, and he's just and and then Juan's yeah. just like it, it's a hateful word, and like doesn't mean you are one, and even if you are one, does not mean you are that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is not really really seen in. Um, I, once again, I don't want to make something about the black community, but I, the black community is not really accepting of homosexuality. I guess from I don't know a course I took once in in, in college. Sorry, people, I'm like that, <laughs> but that's the only thing I can relate it to right now. But you know, because it's all about masculinity and being the most masculine person you can be, not showing any weakness. Because throughout history, unfortunately, the black man has been used to as as a joke, as uh, mm-hmm. seen as non-human. So that's mm-hmm. why uh, you see masculinity so frequent in the black community. Well, I, and you know, I think you know we often in society do ascribe things to certain races. I think more than anything, it comes down to class. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that it is, uh, isn't more prevalent amongst the black community, but the co-writer of this movie, uh, Terrell McCraney, mm-hmm. um, he talked about that he basically, and I'm just stealing this from Wikipedia so anyone can go read it, but basically he was, his point was that, um, that you have such toxic masculinity in such situations because people, People without any kind of privilege or any kind of wealth, they have to find power in other ways. Yeah, it's yeah, like man. a it's a compensation thing. Yeah, and we see that with his schoolmate later, uh, Tyrell. Tyrell, I think. Yeah. Um, we we see that with all the kids that pick on him, mm-hmm. and uh, your heart breaks for him. Yeah, because you know? um, he's just existing, and there's it's such a nice moment when Juan says, you know, well, faggot's a word that that people try and use to hurt gay people. I think he even yeah. says yeah. gay people. Yeah. And and you can almost sense that Juan knows that mm-hmm. this kid's flamboyant or he's, you know, yeah. he's going to be gay or something. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, there was another interesting thing I thought about this movie. And it's throughout all three acts. Well, especially the first two, I guess. They make such a big deal. His classmates make such a big deal. Even Kevin kind of alludes to it about Chiron being a little different from his peers. Yeah. We don't see that at all, no. do we? I didn't. Not really. I mean, he's just it's not he's like playing he was, with his kids. He's yeah. trying to. When they had the dick measuring scene in the class. Yeah. Yeah, because we all done like something like that growing up. Like, mm-hmm. I've definitely saw my friends my penis. You know, it's just like... It's a rite of passage. It's a rite of passage. Like, yeah. you're just going to see some, friends, some some dick, like, once in a while. I peed yeah. on a person one time. It's just going to happen. <laughs> that's what this happens when you're little. Yeah. You just do weird stuff, you know? I remember one time when you were naked in the basement with all my brother's friends. Mm-hmm. It just, just happens. You do stuff like that when you're little. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I do think that it's, it is, it is, you know, somewhat pro, you know, poignant, I guess, that the differences shown aren't... We don't see them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we... I don't know. It's the film does not at all sexualize him. Yeah, am I right in saying that? I no, don't think it does this not, is no. an overtly sexual movie. No, it's not at all. No, until just, at least until like maybe the very end. But I don't think that's that's like lust. You're feeling that's feeling like love and like correct. It's not and lustful. Welcomeness. Yeah, it is love. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what this is about. It's Definitely. really not even like homosexual. In I mean, it is a homosexual uh, relationship between two men, of course, but it's not. That's not the emphasis of it. No. That's not. It's not novel because of that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Definitely, it's just love. definitely. And it's also showing like, just in the society, like even if like when I, we were little kids, we fought all the same. But you can tell who's different from. Other, I mean, when I was little, I was the tallest kid, but I felt the weakest, and yeah. I felt like an outsider. And that way, we can all just feel like that too. And mm-hmm. so he like he plays with kids. He does everything else like a little kid would do. But you know, 
unfortunately, sometimes, you know, if you're not the strongest, or you're not the fastest, people can tell right away, and you can consider an easy target, so. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. And kids are notoriously cruel. Yeah, they are, yes, definitely. Especially when their upbringing sucks. Definitely. Frankly. Yeah, so, yeah, so, I think Little ends, um, his mother gets caught, gets caught doing co- uh, crack, mm-hmm. uh, then... I can't remember his name. Mashallah Ali Juan, Juan yeah. confronts her, and then I think that's the last we see of Juan, correct? Or no, the swimming scene. How can I forget oh, the yeah, most important take, scene yeah, in the whole thing? Takes him out to the ocean. Takes him out to the ocean and teaches them how to swim. And it's like a baptism too. It's like a baptism, yeah. yeah. And actually, I found out uh, the actor who played the little child, uh, sorry, the uh, little, uh, did not know how to swim, and so Mashallah oh. actually did teach him how to swim during that time. That is nice. That is nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it goes into a whole theme of water, which we'll get into later. But yes, definitely like one of the most like important scenes mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah, just oh yeah, him, just like teaching him how to swim, him showing him being a father figure, showing him like you know there's people you can look up to in this world just because they consider them bad people, but doesn't mean he's honestly. I would argue too, he's not just a father figure; he's a mother figure too in a way. Yeah, I mean Teresa is his his lady friend that yeah. lives with him. Obviously, is too, but I mean. He clearly shows Chiron empathy. He never tells him you gotta act more like a man. He never yeah. ever, you know, treats him like anything less than a human, than mm-hmm. a kid. And it really is one of the sweetest relationships. Yeah. Which is why it it makes it sad that, that in we, act two Yeah, in uh Chiron, which Chiron, is yes. Yeah, when he's uh, a teenager. Which is unfortunate we don't never see Ali characters again. He's passed away is the implication. Really? I did not see yes, that. Yes, because... Thought he just, uh, I thought either he was in jail or he, he no, died. No, someone so. says, I think it's um, Chiron's mom might say to Teresa, I haven't... Or no, she says to someone, I haven't seen you since the funeral. Oh, no. Teresa says that to Chiron, I think. Yeah. I haven't seen you since the funeral. Okay. So it's just implied that one has died. Yes, he lost his father figure. And unfortunately, he's still growing up and he still needs a person to look after. And, mm-hmm. and his mom is off the rails. His mom's off the rails. He's doing more crack than she probably has done before. That's what I think they're implying. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's trying to find something to hold on to. And he has Kevin, who we do see in the in the first act. Yes, actually. Yes, as the only, as the only kid who actually befriends uh, yeah. Little. And the re- their relationship is established pretty much off the bat. Yeah. He's, he tells Chiron, Kevin tells him, you know, you have to stand up to these guys. You know, yeah. you almost, you get that sense immediately that Kevin's, a little more braggadocious, a little yeah. more, you know, comfortable putting up a front. Yeah. Um, but you do get a sense of their relationship, the way that Chiron touches Kevin's face when he's examining a cut. Yeah. It's such a minor little thing. It's a minor thing. thing. Like, yeah, there's something there. That's yeah. There. And that and goes into further. In and it's sweet. Honestly, it's Shalom. sweet. So, yes. Shalom. And uh, they, they play wrestle. That's about the extent that you see of Kevin in that first. Yeah. Game, but it wasn't, that is an important scene. You're yeah. right. Yeah. And then, unfortunately... Sharon has lost his father figure. He uh, is getting bullied by this kid in school. Yeah. And, like, he has nowhere to go to. Like, he, he tries to... Uh, he just tries to go away from it. He tries to just go walk away from it, but he can't. Well, the kid follows him. He calls his mom a whore. Yeah. Makes fun of the fact that Juan's dead. Yeah. Because he even... Because I, I don't know if he said his name directly, but he mentioned Teresa. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she can they give a good head. Yeah. yeah. That's what he says. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he tries to get away from it. He goes to Teresa's house, you know, mm-hmm. just to calm down and get away. Well, his mom sends him out of the house, first mm-hmm. of all. It says, you know, just to find some comfort. And unfortunately, his mom, when he comes back, his mom wants the money. 
that Teresa gave him. Mm-hmm. And this causes more of a downfall. Oh, then, that was, yeah. Then he goes to the ocean to find comfort. That's where that's one of the last places well, that we see him and Juan together. And we some calmness and open-headedness. And then we, Kevin is there. Yes, Kevin goes there and they smoke a blunt and talk. And this is when Kevin drops the charade of, you know, he's always Masculinity bragging about... Masculinity of, right. like, of toughness and just... Right, and he, he's always bragging about how he, he got caught detention because he was caught knocking boots with a... Yeah, with a woman in the Right, in, in the hallway, hallway yeah. yeah. And um, they, they... They kiss. They kiss and then he gives him a handjob. Yeah. 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 It was definitely actually a very sweet moment because it's just... It like, was a yeah. very sweet moment, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he and so on. I mean, he has some sort of happiness because he has a connection with somebody. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. this is when the movie really got me. When the, when it was yeah, like, yes, I know, yeah. Unfortunately, the the veil of masculinity cannot go away in this situation. At so least he not has, as teens. Not as know. teens, no. And the guy who's picking on Chavon, he's just like, hey, Kevin, remember that game we used to play? Where we used to, we would pick a kid out and we beat the shit out of him. Like, yeah. It's like I'm gonna pick a kid out and you have to do it again. And then, unfortunately. Well, we all knew he was going to do it. He's going to pick Chiron. And Kevin has to do it. Or else he's... We'll, he's will see less of. And maybe we'll be found out. But we don't know. So... Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Chiron gets to capture Kevin by everybody. And, by... Yeah, by yeah. his best friend. And that's when, like, the kind of lessons that um, Juan taught him kind of disappears. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Well, now he harkens onto what Kevin told him in the first day. Yeah. You got to pick out the the biggest guy, and you know, basically prison rule. Pick out the biggest guy and, and beat the shit out. Yeah. Of him. You got to show you're tough. You know. So as much as you hate the scene of Kevin, and I mean, you see the pain in Kevin's face when he's saying, "Stay down, Sharon." Like, yeah. Stay down. Yeah. And Sharon keeps getting up. He won't do it because he doesn't want to give him the satisfaction right. of him being defeated. Right. And I think there's a part of Sharon that understands, or Sharon that understands it. Yeah. I, you know, it's heartbreaking as it's got to be for him. I think there's a part of him that does understand it. And I think he's more, I don't know. It's got to be some sense of betrayal from, from Kevin. Yeah. But I think like, he's more mad at Terrell. And we definitely see that in the next scene. Yeah, definitely. When he same. comes in, like Ari Gold with the paintball gun. Yeah. If you ever seen Entourage, he comes into school the next day, grabs a chair, and by God. Yeah. Smash that fucking with it. thing yeah. over Terrell's back. Yeah. And it's cathartic. As it is. As, you're like, it kind is of looting for him, but you're like, damn it. Like, we just know it's over then. Mm-hmm. We just know, like, Swan will be pushing down who he is and yeah. will put up this flawed squad forever. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's going to be resigned to the American justice system for a little bit. Yeah. Right? And, and then, then that's what we find out. And uh, without his father figure, without a steady mother figure, even he's got he's got nobody for guidance. Yeah, and he has to be tough because mm-hmm. that's the only thing he can think of in this world to survive. Yeah, and as show. a teen in the second yeah, act, he's very small. He's yeah. very very thin. Thin. Yes. And then when we see him in that third act, I mean, he's like fifty cent yeah. big. Must I, must I say though, this the casting for this is amazing because they got yeah. each person that looked almost exactly like. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely, it was very well done. Yeah, yeah especially for Andre's character. I mean, for Andre Holland's character, uh, Kevin. It's yeah. actually really. Well oh my done. God, Kevin! He, they looked like it was literally. Yeah, like, literally, like wow, yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. So, uh, and yeah, what else? Anything else from the second act you want to talk um, about? No, I think that's mostly it. I mean, that mostly mm-hmm. covers the beats of the story. Yeah. And then we get into the third act, mm-hmm. Black, which yes. is the nickname that Kevin gives. 
Yes, and the Shai second Wong. act, he yeah. starts calling him black a couple times. We don't really know why, or it's never stated, I don't think. I right? don't think so, no. Just, just calls him black. Calls him black. And then, then we show what happens, like, when the mask, when the mask, then he, the veil masculinity takes over. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he's he's like Drew. He's like well, sorry, Juan. I want to say Drew, but it's yeah. Juan. Oh yeah, absolutely. He want, he's like Juan. He's a drug dealer now. He's very tough, but he doesn't have the sensitivity that Juan has because he hasn't. Because he's kind of lost all that when he when Juan died mm-hmm. and like and all this stuff happened to him. Well, so, unfortunately, too, that lifestyle. He said he was in juvenile, you know, juvie for a while, and yeah. that's where he first got into the, the yeah trap, the trap game. yeah trap yeah. Game, yeah. Uh, he moves to Atlanta. I mean, unfortunately, that's the sad part about that business. You can't really, you could possibly be a good person in your home life, but in the job, you kind of have to be a hard yeah. ass, I think. Yeah, and, and you see that, like, when he visits his, uh, visits the drug, his, uh, Oh, to get his, his money? Co- his worker, yeah. Yeah. He says, like, get yeah. his money. Like, he shows he's, like, being tough, and the guy's afraid of him. And yeah. so, like, yeah, he he did it. He gained the respect of fear mm-hmm. in that. He's, uh, he's big. He, he thinks he might fuck you up if you say something wrong, but he's like, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, and he did it. And then we get a call from his mom, but then Kevin calls. Out of the blue. Out of the blue. The first time. Yes. And Kevin, it turns out, had some legal issues too. Yeah. But and, he, uh, but he, well, got he's over. out since, yeah. And then he's been, he's been working in a kitchen. Working in a kitchen, guys like together. It. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he, you know, said, "Hey, if you ever are in the area, stop on by." Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, you're right. This whole, this whole, you know, black chapter, the beginning of it. He's in Atlanta. It really is all about the, you know, the consequences of those first two yeah. acts, and it's the it kind of sh- yeah. It also kind of shows like certain things in life can just affect you the whole time. Like even if it's like the smallest thing. I mean, that was, of course those are big things, but like you know, it just could be it could be that or something else. It's like it, your life's just based on certain events, and those certain events shape you. Not well, it's nature and nurture. Probably. Yeah, you know what I mean. If he if he was if you you know people are born the way they are, right? Yeah, that's the assumption I've always gone off of. Yeah. Um, you know, if he was born gay into a culture, into a situation where that wasn't really tolerated or yeah. understood or accepted, this is a natural progression for how things might turn out. And I'm sure they do turn out for plenty of people yeah. in, in similar ways. Mm-hmm. And um, you hate to see it at first, man. Yeah. It was, it was a real sad, but it was nice. Again, it was nice to see he had a, somewhat a sense of humor. And he was, for a drug dealer, still... Slightly endearing, the way yeah, he was teasing the guy. Definitely. He was collecting the money I think we saw him. a little bit of old Cyborg when Kevin yeah. called. We saw like a little 100%. bit. 100%. Because little bit. I was expecting him to yell like, you know, motherfucker, do you know what you did to me? Yeah, exactly. But no, he wasn't like that. No. I think, I don't know. There's some kind of wisdom he has where I swear he didn't hold that against Kevin. No. In the long run. The, uh, the beat down. But what does he do? He inevitably does... Go, go back, back to visit his mom. Yeah, in Miami. And they uh and she goes to yeah. the rehab center. She's, she's clean. Yeah, she's clean. Yeah, she's clean and she's working like at maintenance, I think, at the rehab center. Maybe I don't I know. I don't know. Maybe I just made that up. But she's clean and they have a nice moment together where, you know, it's clear that she understands that she was not a great mom. No. Um You know, it's kind of it's not not like it's an apology. Heartwarming. Yeah. yeah, but it's just like I think I think Shyvon understands at least now mm-hmm. why maybe why she did it or maybe like somewhat forgives her. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's like, not some tearful reunion. It's not like it's not like everything's fine now. You right. know, it's like 
Yeah, kind of. It, it's like the first step to exactly. being fine. Yeah, and that's realistic. Yeah, that's realistic. You can't just you can't just slap a bandaid on a wound that big. Yeah, right. I mean, I you know, um, but it was nice, and it's the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he did. He does soften by this point when after uh, Kevin yeah. falls, he's um, Kevin tells him, you know. I'd love to, you know, if you stop by, I'll cook for you, and mm-hmm. I want to show you a song on the jukebox, right? So after he visits his mom, he goes to visit Kevin. Yeah. And I must say, this is, like, truly one of the most romantic, like, scenes I've ever seen before in my life. Sure. Truly. Just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And all it is is a guy cooking for another guy at a restaurant, sitting with him. Drinking wine. And then when that song comes on, I'm like, oh, my God. Are you yeah. serious? I'm like, oh, man. At the same all of the feels. I'm just like, come on. Yeah. Like, that song was introduced later, early in the film. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I didn't really, like, put it together. But, like, even if I don't even remember that song, it still works. It's just, oh, you know, he was baby. I'm like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Hello, like, stranger. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Uh, 100%. And you see, works. you know, there's almost the symbolism of Kevin taking his guard, or Kevin, I'm sorry, Sharon uh, taking his guard down when he takes his grill out to eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's smiling again, and he's... He's happy. Right. Yeah. And Kevin, you know, apologizes for what happened to them in school. And Sharon, you know, it's water under the bridge. And there is a level of wisdom there. And it really is a very romantic and sweet scene, mm. ultimately. And uh, not one that's sappy by any no. means. Not one that seems unrealistic or, you know, just cartoonish, caricaturistic. It it's so just real and yeah. at that time it's like you know it's it's the classic high school thing and i think it spoke to me because i was never bullied i'm very lucky i was never bullied in school yeah i wasn't really bullied that much so yeah unfortunately a few instances but well it happened but i bet yeah. i bet nowadays you know people once once they grow up you realize that there's no such thing as clicks there's no such thing as yeah. the cool kids or the you know you know whatever and looking back at it you know that was just some stupid high school shit yeah and i do think that um you know they both obviously can put it past them and yeah and obviously the simone still has feelings for kevin even after all these yes. times after this there's this one phone call and he comes coming back because yeah as you learned at the very end no one has touched simone since kevin yeah so he's i believe that means he's like nobody's He's never had sex. He's that was like, my assumption, yeah, too. Yeah, he's just... Yeah. He's kind of a tough character. Didn't let anybody get close to him. But once... It's kind of sweet. Yeah, way, it's yeah. kind of sweet, yeah. Yeah. And I love how this movie ends. It's just like, they, they're not kissing, not having sex. They're just holding each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's not a mushy, sappy, you know, meme-worthy kiss fest. Like, no. you know, you see the, uh... You know, I wish like, I could quit you yeah. type meme. It's none of that. It is just really pure romance, love, romance, kinship, tenderness. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know. not kinship. Uh, that would be weird, but yeah, uh, romance. It is. Yeah, and we don't know what's going to happen after. We don't know, but like maybe we can see that maybe Shimon is back. He's not. He's not in his black character anymore. He's uh, this black as uh, this this tough guy. He's now he's got like a little bit back into Shimon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now he can maybe actually be himself instead of just veneer. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. That's all, that's all everyone, that's all most people want at the end of the day is just an environment where they can unabashedly be themselves. Yeah. And, you know, they both have found that now, it seems like. Especially Kevin. I mean, Kevin has dropped the veneer of, like, masculinity and all that stuff, and he's just him. 
And uh, he has a child now with a woman, but they're not together. Mm-hmm. And maybe he, the woman knows he's gay, or we don't know, but mm-hmm. we don't need to know. We just need right. to know that he is now him, and he he's happy with who he is, because he finally was able to be him. Yep, and mm-hmm. we should all be so lucky. Yeah. And I think this movie does, I think a part of it, too, is letting audience know that finding yourself isn't something that's you know so often we see the coming of age as teenagers right yeah as uh you know stand by me or it again what, yeah, what yeah, have you yes yeah, but really yeah. though the coming of age i mean it takes time it i'm takes still trying to find decades. myself yeah i'm in my, i'm 32 now and i'm only i feel i just have found myself over the past couple of years yeah you know, I guess part of it is being locked down with yourself and only yourself for a full yeah. year. But, you know, it's true. And I imagine I'll be a much different person in my 40s. Yeah, it like happens. we all yeah. So just How old do you think they were in the last act? Did uh, it say at all? I guess, I think 30s. I would say 30. 30, yeah. I guess, I, I, if I had to put like actual age, maybe 34, 35, okay. something like that. So about my age, huh? Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah, definitely. But that, that is true. I think that that is uh, a big part of what's being told here is that it's not always going to be easy no uh but it's best to move on and not look back and hate not look back with resentment toward others that may have wronged us and in the end you know sharon forgives kevin and again it ends with in one of the sweetest ways you could possibly imagine yeah so just some base yeah yeah spoiler alerts for, for moonlight by yes. the way yes spoiler alerts Okay, so that, that was, was Moonlight. That was Moonlight, yes. Yeah. Um, I guess now we'll go into our final thoughts about it. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay, so when I was began watching this movie, I watched it with my sister. And I must admit it was a little bit slow in the beginning. A little bit slow. But right when, I would say right when Shalone and Kevin fight, that's when it really started to pick up with me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it definitely made me feel for these characters. I mean, I'm not a, a black gay man. From the inner city. You're not? No. Oh my Surprise. God, I know. What? Insane. Yeah, so I can't relate to that, but I can relate to somebody that's seen as different. That's somebody that wants to find himself. Somebody that wants to ex- that wants to accept vulnerability, but can't, you know. Because I've had those problems, too. I have times where I thought I needed to be masculine. Yeah. But I didn't need to be masculine, you know. And I relate to that. And the love story of Chiron and Kevin just, just really hit me. I mean, I've never been in love before, but I can see that that could be true love. Definitely. So, entertainment-wise, is it like a gangbusters, like La La Land or something like that? Of course not. But it doesn't need to be. Films don't need to be that. Films can be whatever they want, as we've been learning through this mm-hmm. this podcast. So, I would have to give this five and a half stars out of six. Okay. Yes. This, uh, this movie... Um... You know, like I said, I don't necessarily relate directly with the characters, but I've always considered myself something of an empath. I know that I know that I already sound pretentious as it is, and that doesn't help me at all. But I really do. I, I've always, I think, been able to put myself in other people's shoes pretty effectively and mm-hmm. feel for other people who are in pain or who don't have it as easy as me. And so I really, while I don't relate with Sharon or Kevin or really anyone in the movie yeah. directly, I can appreciate the struggles that they no doubt go through. Adolescence and teenage years are easy for nobody. Mm-hmm. Now imagine how they would be growing up with nothing, with a mother who's more worried about getting her fixed than yeah. raising you. Or, you know, with kids. Imagine not being 
being afraid to go to school. Yeah. That is the most horrifying reality that that I can one of the most horrifying realities I can think of that there are kids out there that are afraid to go to school. Mm-hmm. And I again, I never had that and I'm very lucky for that. Yeah, but we very, are both very lucky there. Very fortunate. Very My yes. god, yeah. So this movie, I didn't expect gangbusters, and I know you didn't either. Yeah, exactly. I never thought it was slow. I thought that the first scene did a great job of setting up what kind of environment we're dealing with. One mm-hmm. where, you know, there's drug That's dealers true. I, did, I, do, the I do, after thinking back, that is true. I do, it does set up a great environment. It's an establishing shot. Yeah, as it's far as establishing. Right. Yes. And you can, and the movie immediately establishes Sharon, and he's different. You don't yeah. even know why. I mean... Going in the movie, I know why. Yeah, but I don't see it. You can tell like this how skinny he is. You know, he's just well, sure, yeah. sure. But you know, they say he walks funny. I don't remember him ever walking funny. He's a no. kid. Kids walk funny. Mm-hmm. They're funny looking. They're disproportionate. Mm-hmm. But the way this movie goes from one one act to the next to the next, it shows this natural progression of these seminal times moments in this child's life and why you know, he ultimately ends up who he is. Mm-hmm. And I love that it has that twist, too, where he's, you know, it shows that nobody's irredeemable. We don't even know if he's done anything. I mean, other, other than selling drugs, we don't know if he's done anything violent or yeah, anything Yeah, we heinous, kill a person right? or anything like right. that. We just know that he he was just, he wasn't raised like this, but this his environment and what happened to him made him into this, you know. Hey, you gotta eat. It's capitalism, frankly. Yeah. Drug dealing, and I don't condone it, yeah, but cream. drug dealing cream is the it. money. Right. There is always a market for it. Yeah, exactly. And, That's where everything's about. And if that is your norm growing up, guess what? That's that's what you're going to know as an adult. Yeah. But this movie shows that, hey, you know, you don't need that. You don't, you can break out of a life of crime. You can, yeah. you know, find happiness and find someone that you can be with. Mm-hmm. And really, this movie does a lot that just, it, it's such a simple movie. Yes, it's, it's so quick, too. It's, it's so simple. It's almost two hours long. does not feel like two hours long. No, at all. Not no, at it does all. not. No. But it's so simple. It never gets ahead of itself in terms of symbolism or in terms of, you know, beating, you know, didact, being didactic where it's heavy handed. Yeah. Never once. Mm-hmm. Never once did it, you know, get up on a soapbox, right? No. This movie is expertly acted. Definitely. It is expertly photographed and directed. Yes, Barry Jenkins did an amazing job with us. Everything in this movie is just expertly done. Mm-hmm. The colors when, you know, they're night swimming. You know, yes. they keep returning to the water. Uh, the just, moments when the mother is on drugs and mm-hmm. screams at him. Yeah, you get these harsh reds in, mm-hmm. the, in their apartment mm-hmm. as opposed to those cool dark blues in the water. Everything, though. The photography, again, the colors, the direction, the cinematography, the editing even. The sound, the music. Yeah, all oh, the music was amazing. Yeah. I love the similar. I love the the cross between uh, rap music and uh, orchestra mm-hmm. music. Yeah, yes. And it's done Especially very when the well. when the kids were playing Smiley Queer during that mm-hmm. scene, I was like, oh, this seems like it seems like kind of like a battle. You know, you're in the battle. Well, and that's exactly yeah. what that's exactly the crux of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's the masculinity fighting with the humanity, the desire to be loved. Yeah, no matter who you love or who you are. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely what that's what I took away from it. Yeah. I thought the characters were so interesting in terms of obviously what we know about Sharon, but then even even so, we don't know that much about Kevin or Juan, but we have enough to make inferences. Yes, and do so educated, you know, in an educated way. Mm-hmm. Long story short, because I've been rambling, I'm giving this movie six stars out of six. Great. I can't say that I can't say a bad word about this movie. That's I cool. thought it was just damn near perfect. I think this is a movie that everybody should see, regardless of who you are. 
-hmm. I think you should see this movie with an open mind and just try to understand what it would be like to be this young man. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was perfect. That was great, TJ. I can't say a bad word about this movie. That was great. No. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, highly recommend it. Definitely. I enjoyed Moonlight quite a bit. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So, that was our opinions on Moonlight. And let's go to everybody else's opinion on Moonlight. Shall we? Yep. Okay. So, as I said before, this movie is on, like, a lot of top 10 lists of the 2010s. And, of course, the 2016. People say like this is the best film of the set, one of the best films of the centuries. You know, it's just like it's up there, mm-hmm. and that's the question we should ask: Is this one of the best movies to be released like this century, or this the past dec, or in the twenty tens itself? That's a tough question to ask. Of course, this film is kind of groundbreaking, I would say, because it's showing something society has society knows exists, but we haven't really been shown in in cinema form. Yeah, what I think is most novel about it, though, what's most, unique, you know, fresh about it is the fact that it's not trying to make the fact that the characters are homosexual the selling yeah. point. It's just a love story. Just a love That's story. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah. This is no different than Romeo and Juliet, in mm-hmm. a way. They grew up, I mean, they were royalty, but or, you know, wealthy, but regardless, they fell in love in a place where they weren't allowed to, right? Yeah. That would have been the same same with Kevin and Sharon, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's what's so novel about it. It's not something that uses homosexuality to sell tickets. It's no. just, it, it's an A24 movie. It's not out there to be this big blockbuster, even if it was. You know, yeah. uh, obviously they want to make money, but it's more of an art thing than anything else, sure. I'd say. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Now, would you say this is one of the best films of the 2010s? Sure. Yeah. It, it's so hard to say that, though, because I, I mean... Well, yeah. I don't know. Like, how, how does can I compare this to The Departed or Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, you know what I mean. It's all so subjective. I'm almost like, I get the the idea of ranking movies, and I do it all the time. Yeah, but I like, how can I rank this? I'm no. not ranking the Die Hard movies here. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're ranking like like cinema, art, you know, feelings, storytelling. Yes. Exactly. I think in terms of objective filmmaking, yes, it's one of the best. Yeah. It's it's just expertly made. Yeah. Ranking like I don't know. Like I know it's fun to do rankings and all that stuff and that's how we tell, like, oh who's the best and stuff. It doesn't really matter in the end. No. It just matters if it's good. If it's if you think it's the best, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It could be the best or that could be the best, but it doesn't really matter because like each one will influence us differently. It's just in King the best film of all time, that's what people say. I agree with it. Not really. But it's just it's still one of the most focal points of cinema history that we should study and take from. Yeah, you know? my, my brother, for instance, says Clerks 2 is the greatest comedy of all time. And I love Clerks 2, yeah, and I love I my not, brother, yeah. but I'm not going to endorse yeah. that. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. But yeah, so, reception, uh, fortunately, Ebert died, so we cannot have his review. Uh, I Rock- think he would have liked it. I think he would have loved it. I think he would have loved it. Uh, Rotten Tomato score, 98% of critics loved it, of course, and uh, 79% of audience score loved it. Which I'm hoping that's not for the reasons I think it is, and hopefully it's people who thought it was zero slow or something like that. I'm sure they did. The critic consensus on Moonlight is uh, Moonlight uses one man's story to offer a remarkable and brilliant created, crafted look at lives too rarely seen in cinema. So that's yeah. what everyone rocking to There you says. go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so here's some reviews uh, I picked out from Wikipedia. Uh, Michael Wood uh, from the London Review of Books. Uh, he says... For, this is for the end of the film. Uh, quote, by the end of the film, there are still 10 minutes 
of late Ingmar Bergman to go, which is a director hopefully we also watch. Mm. Uh, the film keeps showing us Chiron's handsome, inscrutable face. The silence is, doesn't tell us anything. This asks us to feel sorry for him. All is not lost, though, because we gaze at Chiron, we think of something else. His resemblance, his resemblance to Juan, his father figure. Does it mean that Juan was one Chiron? Not quite. Not quite that, perhaps, but the last shot of the film is the young Chiron sitting on the beach, looking out at the ocean. His eyes wide says all this desolation, and promise that just Juan saw in him at the beginning. If we started again, things would things be different? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now there was some backlash to this film. Uh, one critic in, I believe, uh, The Times in London, or in England, sorry, uh, Camilla Long says the story has been told countless times, which it hasn't at all. And uh, against countless backdrop, so I see she's saying like this story has been told, but like maybe not with two gay men who are black, but mm -hmm. it's been told before, and the film is not relevant to a predominantly white audience, middle class audience. It's not what? It's not relatable. It's not relevant to a predominantly straight white middle class audience. Well, that's not the movie's fault. Yeah. So I mean, I. She can say what she wants. I yeah. just think that's a stupid opinion, especially considering it, it didn't... You know, I do devalue the Best Picture Award quite frequently, but this is one that I feel like kind of earned it. Yeah. Yeah, and people say that. Uh, Catherine Schwad said, like, she's... Not, I think she, the people are saying, like, I think she's talking about the critics' opinions of the film, not the film itself, but... Yeah. I don't know. You can, that's still not good enough, I think, so... I don't know. I mean... Yeah. We're... That's still I not, good, that's still not good enough anything. to criticize the film. I can't say I've seen anything that this reminded me of or this felt derivative, yeah. derivative of. No, but I, know, yeah. I, don't, I don't agree with Camilla Long. You know, ever. So. Okay, the awards for this year. Fuck um, you, Miss Long. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, the awards for this year. The Oscars. Uh, winner for... Uh, so Moonlight won these awards. Best Picture. Best Supporting Actor. Masala Ali, hopefully we got that right. Yep. Uh, which he's only appeared in twenty minutes. That's yeah, twenty minutes. So that it's like surprising. an Anthony Hopkins. So, but it was so subtle his performance that I don't know. It was that good. So it's, it's he was so, very good. Yeah, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, best adapted screenplay. This is based off an unproduced uh, play that I believe Tyler Alvin McCurney wrote. I believe. Yeah, Black Boys. I'm sorry, it's something like that. Yeah, Black Boys. Uh, something. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, in Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty... I didn't know that's possible. I thought you had to be... It has to be, like, something that's out there, not something that's been unproduced. And... <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yeah, I didn't know that. So that's nice to know. Um, it was nominated for Best Director, uh, Barry Jenkins, Best Supporting Actress, Naomi, Naomi Harris, who was the mother, uh, Best Cinematography, James Laxton, Best Film and Editing, Joy McMillian and Nate Sanders, and Best Original Score, Nicholas Bertel. Okay. Yeah, I think that was the year. Uh, I think the director won La La Land. Uh, Nicole Savalier, or I forget his name, but yeah, he won for that year for direction. Um, other best pictures besides Moonlight were Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell of High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, and Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. So obviously through all that, I think like obviously the, other, the two were Moonlight and La La Land. Those were the obvious top two. It's like maybe Hidden Figures could have pulled out, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but of course we all know what happened. Damn, Warren Beatty messed up. Yeah. Damn that Warren Beatty. Fucking. When's the what's the last movie he was in? Uh, he Is made he a movie. At? He made a movie about um Howard Hughes when he went insane, and uh, that was his last film. He played Howard Hughes oh. trying to make a movie with Marilyn Monroe. 
All right. Yeah. But, um, okay, so he does this great thing for Tony Classic Movies where he, own, you know he owns the rights to Dick Tracy, right? Yes. Okay, so he has to do something with that or else he doesn't have the rights anymore. Nice. So, like, a, a few years, he goes on TCM and he interviews himself as Dick Tracy. <laughs> he just That's did it so recently, amazing. too, so it's great. You can probably find it on YouTube. It's amazing. <laughs> that is pretty damn funny, yeah. actually. Does he actually put an effort into it? Yeah, he, it play, he puts the costume on and everything. Yeah, he, it's okay. great. It's amazing. I do love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, top 10 films of 2016. Number one, surprisingly, Finding Dory. I'm not surprised. Oh, you'd be surprised, actually. Well, I guess it's not Star Wars but, or Marvel, so. Yeah. Uh, number two, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. <laughs> number three, Captain America, Civil War. Yep. Number four, The Secret Lives of Pets. Jeez. Number five, The Jungle Book. Number six, Deadpool. Number seven, Zootopia. Number eight, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Wow. Number nine was Suicide Squad. Wow, we really are living. And number in... ten was Star Wars Episode Seven, The Force Awakens. Dude, we are... that's wild because that I'm released surprised the year that's before. only at ten. Well, that released the year before. Oh, really? That's why December. Oh, yeah, that's why. Dude, we are really living in a dystopian that's like mostly man. all Disney. Yeah, yeah, except for like yeah. Batman and maybe Suicide Squad. That's it. Yeah, and no, Secret Life of Pets, but not Disney. That was a. Oh, it wasn't. No, okay. well, no. But yeah, it's mostly all Disney. Wow, 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 though. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. And now we're facing, like, the backlash of this. This is, like, the... Like, like we've got the good stuff in the 2010s. Even some people said not the great stuff. Now we're getting this, like... People are tired of superhero movies. And, like, I know. Now the, like, I am. I know. Now are. this rapid schedule is now affecting the movies. Because VR effect artists can't work that fast. And, like, the writing's not that great. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I have not seen Ant-Man. But I know the VR is kind of bad. Especially for MODOK. So... I, I haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah. I've heard from some that it's the worst of the MCU, but I've also heard from others that it's really good, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I'll yeah. watch it eventually. Definitely. Um, out of 200 films on Box Office Mojo in 2016, uh, this ranked 135. Okay. Yeah, This the budget for this was $1.5 to $4 million. We're not really sure. Uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, Barry Jenkins has never actually told us the real thing before. And uh, box office was $65 million total. $65.2 million, okay. uh, in domestic and worldwide. So, yeah, so they did good. So $65 million. Nice. Yeah, that is really Definitely. good. Definitely. Um, may I those who do not know Barry Jenkins, I don't know his film obviously that well too, but he has made um, the Underground... <clears throat> sorry. He has made the Underground Railroad series on Amazon, which I heard is amazing. Mm, yeah. But, of course, it's one of those things Amazon just dumps and nobody's ever heard of it. Um... I forget his other movies, but also uh, there's this great Criterion Closet video with him picking out movies, so you can see his influences and the things he likes, which is always great. Yeah. Yes, and that's also my second dream to be in the Criterion Closet for this podcast. That's just <laughs> me and you just picking out movies. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what you mean. Um, fun facts, I guess, for this movie. Uh, when Juan teaches, or like I said before, when Juan teaches her how to swim, uh, Ali is really touching Alex. Or He's really teaching Alex R. Hibbert how to swim. He didn't know how to swim. Uh, it's pretty badass. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Uh, and even two Barry Jenkins said that three actors who played Shaiwan never met during production. He wanted each of them to build their own persona of Shaiwan during respective segments with no influence from the other portrayals. And the same technique was used to the actors who played Kevin. Which is actually really well because it seems like, yeah, this would be the each stages. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Marshall, 
Ali won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor with because he was but he was in the film for less than twenty minutes of screen time, just like Anthony Hopkins when he won Best Actor. So that's actually really impressive. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, such were the budgetary constraints on this production. The cast had to share one trailer for costumes, hair, makeup, and one restroom stall to for the rest of the casting crew. Wow. Yeah. Uh, this is the first LGBT film and the first film featuring all black cast to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. Shaiwan is the name of a senator in Greek mythology known as the Wounded Healer. Hmm. The song One Step nice. Ahead, which I believe is the song that plays in the diner, uh, by Aretha Franklin, plays twice in the film. And the first act is playing in the living room after Shaiwan comes home from a swimming lesson. Hmm. And you can hear it again in the diner. Oh, okay. So both great times in his life he hears that yeah, song. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, Barry Jenkins points out that someone feeds uh, this dude in each chapter of the film. Which is not something something he wanted to point out. Like, it wasn't really something you, it real symbolism, but it shows that if you find yourself drifting outside the community, you you never go hungry. Someone will feed you. You know, there's nice. always be someone there for you. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. The penis comparison sequence, which we have not really touched on a lot, but a little bit, uh, actually happened to Jenkins when he was in middle school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Like I said, dude, we do this thing. So, yeah. Yep. That is Moonlight. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, think yeah. I think we've, uh, you know, talked about all we really can, and the rest of it is just going to watch it now. Yeah, it's going to if watch it. haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful movie. It is. Okay, so that's it for Moonlight. I hope you guys enjoyed this season. Hopefully you did good. Uh, for our next episode, we'll rank these movies, and we'll find out what the next movies are. Mm-hmm. Season four. Spoiler uh, alert, this is the top, in my opinion. Is this the top? Probably for me, yeah. Was gonna go downhill from here? No, for the season, I mean. Oh, really? Yeah, definitely the season. Yeah, I mean, I can't give it a six and then say it's not the best. Yeah. So. Yeah. But the rest of it, you'll have to. You have to wait and find out. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yes, if you would like, if you do like this show, hopefully, please continue to listen to us. Follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Twitter at it underscore damn it, and on Facebook, it's still new to us. Because Facebook cannot allow us to swear. Yep. And if yeah. you uh, go to Cousin Ola High School, please vote for me as most likely to be a successful podcaster. Yes. Please. Yes. Can you still do that even though you've been out of high school for like, what, 10 years? 15 years? <laughs> <laughs> 15. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we're, on Twi- we're, on U- we're on YouTube. We have our own YouTube channel now. Please leave us comments. Tell us something. We suck. We're great. Tell us something. Those games we should play at the end of this video so we just don't end these awkwardly. Um, yeah. yeah, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Spotify, we're on Anchor. Yeah. So please listen to us, please subscribe, please rate us, please tell us anything about this podcast. We could do a joke of the day. We could do that. Do you know what um, uh, what a Freudian slip is? No. It's when you mean to say one thing, but you end up saying my mother. Another. another. <laughs> that was a great one. You like I love that? that? I love Thanks. that. Oh, yeah. So, for it, but yeah, I like that one too. This is Mo, and I must say the chef special was delicious. And this is TJ, and I, I've used up all my clever lines for tonight. Okay. Okay, bye everybody. Let's have Bob Mitchum play us out. Adios. See ya.